we're going to look at a subject this morning that we all need to be pretty familiar with. It's about decisions that we make. Do you know that all your decisions affect other people? Every decision we make affects other people. It has a ripple effect, and it has a cumulative effect. And we need to be very, very prayerful about the decisions that we make in our daily lives. Because decisions are motivated either by the Lord or motivated by who? Satan. But let's go see in Isaiah 14 how Satan's made a decision that affected you today. Satan made a decision in Isaiah chapter 14. Let's go there if we would. He was called Lucifer at this, this point. Lucifer had made a decision motivated by something that God would not have us to be motivated by. And let's see what that was. Because when we make the same type of decision, we will do the same thing Lucifer did. Isn't that scary enough? All right, let's go to the book of, uh, of Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14, and we'll start at verse 12. Isaiah 14, verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weakest the nations? For whatever he did caused him to be cast down. Whatever his motivating factor was in his decision caused him to be cast out of heaven. And verse 13 says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the clouds, the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, can we grab out of this discussion that he had, what was his motivation in this decision that he made? It was self. He went for himself. And that was the motivating factor behind his decision. Because when you have that in your spirit, Every decision you make is going to negatively affect you and others when self is the primary motivator of our decisions. Please remember that. Second Timothy teaches that, that as well. We have to understand our decisions, we don't live in a vacuum. When we make a decision, it affects other people. And it either burdens other people or it assists other people. And also it's accumulative because one decision leads to another decision, which leads to another decision, and you don't know how you got to where you are, but it was that decision you made X amount of days before. That's why the motivating factor behind every decision has to be something God can approve of. Amen. Let's go to 2 Timothy, if we will. We're just going to read this right quick. We're going to try not to be here too long today because we have a, another class after this, don't we, Brother Isaiah? Okay. But... That never stopped us before, huh? <laughs> Let's go, we would, to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. And we're going to see where we are today and who is behind the decisions that are being made in the world today. Okay, we, we, we determined that Lucifer went for himself and he, he got kicked out and all of his motivation was, but I want to be I, I, self, 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 serve me, serve me, serve me, serve me. Okay, now let's see what spirit is active today. Then we could determine what is going to happen based on who motivated the decision. And we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, and it says, for men shall be lovers of what? Now, so we understand what at this time that it's being discussed here, which is really today, 
men are what? Lovers of their own selves, for their decisions will be based upon what they want, right? Covetous. So well, they're looking after other people's things, and they want to acquire them. And what else? Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and what else? Unholy. So here is the condition, and this is what's motivating the decisions of people today. Is it motivating our decisions? Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are what? Good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than what? Lovers of God. All this can be classified under the title of self. And who's in charge of self? We learn in Isaiah 14 is who? So when we make decisions that bring this on, who is our spirit? Satan himself. We are being filled with the spirit of the devil. Is that plain enough? So when we, go, we make a decision because I want to do something, I want to be served, I don't really care about anybody else, who is speaking? We okay? So far. <laughs> oh, it gets better than this. Remember something. Our decisions have a ripple effect on the environment around us. That's why you can't be selfish in your decisions. It's not you. If you were on Mars and you were the only one on Mars, then that decision would just simply affect you. But since we're on planet Earth and we live in communities and we have families and associations, everything we do has a ripple effect. You throw that pebble in a pond. I don't care where in that pond you throw it, what's going to happen? The ripples come out. It's going to affect something else in that pond. And what we have to do as true people of God is understand that our decisions should be motivated by Christ because Christ is the only one that can control the ripples and make the ripples okay with everybody. Amen? Amen? Amen. Go to Proverbs if you would. And know this principle. Because our decisions need to be, to be based in God. And I don't want anybody to leave this place today with an excuse. Remember we talked about no excuses this morning. In Proverbs chapter 26, in verse 2 says, As the, the bird by wandering, and as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Remember that principle. There's a reason for everything. And most of the time, it's a decision you have made previously. I decided to do this. And we were talking this morning. It's like when you, you're late for work because you were at the club last night. Or you're watching TV. Let's just say that because y'all above clubs, okay? Y'all Netflixing all night. <laughs> or, 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 or whatever the channel y'all watching. You know, y'all no, YouTubing and got lost in a YouTube tunnel. Uh, and you're late for work, and you're blowing through a school zone, going 30 and a 15, right? Now, police pull you over. You mad at the police. The police gives you a ticket. You mad at the entire system. Because now that money you were gonna buy a little man a gift with, you gotta do what? You gotta pay a ticket. But the curse causeless shall not come. So why are you mad at the police? It's your decision. And what was the decision made? It wasn't that morning, was it? 
It wasn't when you got in the car, was it? When was the decision made? Night before, when you were watching TV. You made a decision that caused you to, little man couldn't get a Tonka toy, whatever y'all buy today. <laughs> Do you see how that works? Trace the origin of your issue. And it's probably going to be a decision that you made because you refuse holy counsel. Yeah, I figured I'd get a man one. When God has tried to show us how to do things, but we make a decision to go against him, there's always a problem. Your, our decisions, my decisions, your decisions will always affect other people. Remember the old adage, Brother Harold, that thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to character, now habits. Habits lead to your character, and character does what? Determines your destiny. So thoughts, actions, habits, character, destiny. Your decisions follow that. When you start thinking about something, then you act upon it. You act upon it enough, it becomes a habit. So if your habit is to make selfish decisions, then everybody around you is affected. It affects you it affects others even though they had nothing to do with it. Do you believe that? Go to Joshua. We're going to find the greatest example in the Bible of this. Someone's decision affected everyone else in a negative way. We have to determine that we are not going to be that person who brings down a nation, who brings down a family, who brings down a church, who brings down your house. You got two people living in the house and one of them selfish. That's a problem, isn't it? When, when somebody doesn't want to follow what God has, has put down as, as rule of law, you got a problem. If someone in your house or in your family or in your business or in your church decides that I'm going to do what I want to do, I don't care about how it affects other people, it will destroy a house and a nation. It almost destroyed Israel. Joshua chapter 7. We know a little bit about this. They went out in verse 4. They had, they had spied out this little old town. And, and verse 4 says, So there went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. Now they're not supposed to flee before anybody. Why? Because God says, Wherever you sow your foot lands, you will be, have the victory. Israel was a bad group, wasn't it? As long as they stayed connected to that vine, man, nobody could defeat them. But something happened. Somebody made a selfish decision. Somebody was motivated by self, and it almost cost Israel everything. Verse 5 says, And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shebriam, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted, and became as water. They had never lost before. They got 36 people running out of town. Why? Someone's selfish decision. Verse 6, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell on the earth upon his face before the ark of God until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. They said, Lord, I know this is the way to go. I know you told us we were going to win, but something's wrong. We need to be reconnected to the vine. Let me, okay, let's go through this sackcloth and ashes thing because this is how we do it. Lord, what's going on? Verse 7, Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan 
to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we have been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Even Joshua was getting shaky because when you win, 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 you don't know how to handle a loss because Joshua was unaware of what happened. He thought everything was the same. He thought everybody was on the same page. He thought we were just going to be in Israel. Verse 10 said, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Man, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou, uh, thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. Man, what do you think happened? He said, Man, I told you, as long as you do deal with me and connect with me, all would be right. So your first conclusion should be, we have sinned, not God has left. He was just checking Joshua, you know, because, you know, Joshua needed to be checked. Don't sit there and tell me that, that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm God. And Israel have sinned, and they also have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have taken of the accursed thing. Because what did God say? Don't take the accursed thing. Now, I want you all to see how God sees this. Everybody didn't do it. But everybody was punished because of one person's selfish decision. And have stolen and disassembled, I'm sorry, also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Let's go down to verse 20. And they say, oh, okay, we sinned, all right? God said, told, gave instructions, go find the sinner. Go find the selfish decision maker. And they did, didn't they? Oh, they were knocking on, on, on doors and families. And they came all the way down to verse 20, to a brother named Achan. And verse 20 of Joshua 7 says, Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. Yep, the stuff y'all talking about, that was me. Do you see how the decision of one person almost destroyed a nation? When selfishness is creeped in through one person's decision, it can destroy the whole process. Verse 21 said, When I saw among the spoils a, a goodly Babylonian garment and, and, and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekel weight, I, I coveted them. Sound familiar? Man, I went by Macy's. And I just couldn't help myself. I saw, I, I saw these new boots, and, and I, I saw this new suit, and I, I, I just had to have them. Even though we don't have the money to get them. So I decided I would destroy my own house, and I'd get into debt. I just wanted to bring that, you know, since none of y'all think y'all dug anything up under and stuck it under the tent. <laughs> That's a selfish decision because you put in jeopardy the financial health of your family. Amen? amen. Okay, you don't have to say amen, I don't care. <laughs> he said, I took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of the tent, and the silver under it. And Joshua said, why hast thou troubled us with your selfishness, with your, your me-first personality, with your me-first decision-making? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had what? Stoned them with stones. You think the Lord was serious about this? He said, we're getting rid of this. This is better than chemotherapy. He broke them down. Amen? And he burned them up. 
because the spirit of selfishness was in the camp, and you can't have that. Verse 26, and they raised over him a great heap of stones until this day, so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor, Achor until this day. See, what happened when one person decided to be selfish? One person said, I want, I want to be me. I, my decision is based on what I want. Now think about things like that. We got to come out of ourselves. We're not that important. We're going to destroy the whole family. We're going to destroy the whole church. We're going to destroy our whole eternal life because we're selfish. Our decisions affect more than us. Amen? Amen. Now, let's say you went to work. And somebody said the wrong thing to you. Okay? Now, we're talking to you Christians now, right? We're not talking about the heathen, right? Now, think about this. Now, you're working... You're either the man or the, or, or the woman, and your spouse is working too because both of you have to work in order to meet the, selfish, uh, the needs of the family. Because sometimes, hey man, it's rough out here, right? Okay, both of your incomes are needed, and you know that. You're going to work. That's why you're going to work. Both incomes are needed. Oh, and, and, and somebody pushes a button. See, you're not, as Christians, you're not supposed to have buttons. Because, you know, dead man can't get offended. Okay? But let's say you, you, you've been revived. you got life. And so somebody comes by and says something to you, and, man, stuff come out of your mouth that you didn't think it was there anymore. And Mr. Supervisor standing right there. So you get called in the office because you decided, I'm going to get my vengeance on this person today. I don't care about anything else. You let your mind go. And the supervisor said, we got to let you go. <laughs> now what? Your selfish decision to respond in vanity has cost your family. And now you don't have a gig. And you needed that gig, didn't you? But you felt good because you ain't going to tell me. I, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. You see how selfish that is? Now your family and, and, and little man, that's what y'all call them, don't you? Now y'all in trouble. Because you went for yourself without considering other people. Especially, you didn't even consider your family. You considered your husband or wife. You didn't consider your children. All you wanted was self. Now what? You go home, and you try to justify your position. Well, they just was getting on my last nerves. I had to tell them. So. But, baby, bills due next week. Unemployment is 100%. What are you doing? You were motivated by self. You see how quickly that can happen? That's why the Spirit of God must dwell in us at all times. When you make a decision, the first thing I need you to do is go to Proverbs chapter 3. Before you open your mouth, before you make a declaration, before you decide this is how we're going to do this, go to Proverbs chapter 3 every day of your life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. 
we'll start there. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what will you do? You'll keep your job. He will direct your path. Amen? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't let that spirit of self jump up and make you affect others in a negative way before you make that decision to, to lash out, or before you make that decision to buy this or, 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 or do this, say, Lord, help me. I don't know a thing. I know what I want to do. Self is strong in me, Lord, but it's more people relying on me than I even know. See, when you got fired, because you cussed that person out. The day before, you had a Bible study with somebody. How do you think that's going to play? And now that ripple effect, that lady or that band you talked to, they no longer believe. Then they go out, and their children stop coming to church. That generation grows up with no Christ, all because you made that one selfish decision. Can you imagine seeing how God sees? That's why he has to keep us in check so we don't just blow it for everybody. That stuff does happen. What you do affects other people. So selfish decisions are a bad idea. I want to do it. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to do that. You ever said that before? Never. Nelson, no one ever said that in the history of life. We got to get better than this if we're going to be sons and daughters of God. Selfishness must leave us. It has to leave us. I see it, I see it a lot. Somebody dies, you see selfishness jump up everywhere. Isn't that terrible? Sister Wanda, you've been through this. Man, you say, what in the world is wrong with these people? Y'all were all cool. A minute ago, somebody dies and has a little something, people lose their mind. Why? Because the decisions are motivated by self. That's why you can't really trust people. <laughs> you say, I think they motivated by themselves, so any counsel they're giving me is making sure they get over and they don't care what happens to me. Oh, you see, people in the side rooms cutting deals. Now look, we, we both jump on this person. And, and I'm talking about family now. I'm not even talking about your job. I'm talking about family. Because self is a tremendous motivator. We have to ask God to lead us and guide us in his truth. And therefore, all our decisions would glorify God, right? We sure? Go to Philippians. We're going to get through this. I know this, Lord, it's going to be a little difficult today. Because we really need to understand this. Your decisions are very important, and they need to be God's decisions and not yours. Amen. God, let God decide what to do. Everything. What happens? I, I need a car. Oh, I need a car. Lord, I need a car. Well, uh, Lord, I, I know. That, that, uh, uh, and then you go out and get one. Didn't tell your, your spouse. You know, you had a car note of four hundred dollars, 
but this is a nice car, Sister Marie. <laughs> it only costs another $120 a month, just a little bit. So now your car note is $520. You come home all smiling and giddy, and you pull up, and your spouse says, oh, what happened? Oh, we need, you know we needed a car, baby. You know, we had to get that car. Now. You know, this, and this, this was a deal. And then you look, and you say, okay, hold on one second, baby. I'm going to go look in the cupboard and see if it, money just magically appeared. <laughs> but income didn't change, sweetheart. But I wanted a car. I wanted this car. And <laughs> you put the whole family in jeopardy. Wait on the Lord. Be of good cheer. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So desperate people make what? Selfish decisions because they're trying to get this weight off of them. Don't we? We'll do some stupid stuff when we're desperate. We'll get a title loan. Now, title loans work for people who pay them back. <laughs> but title loans not in business for people who pay them back. Yeah, oh. These are sophisticated people. They don't know what title loans are. Uh, <laughs> you take your title or your car, and uh, it's loan sharking. But it, if you get in a fix and you know how to deal with that, deal with it. But they don't stay in business because people deal with it. But we make decisions selfishly. Well, baby, I, didn't, I just didn't, I didn't feel like going to work today. Ain't this your third unexcused absence? <laughs> I just didn't feel like going. Baby, you need to go to work. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't feel like it. I'm going to sit in the bed. Ooh, I'm tired. If I hear that one more time from anybody, we all are tired. Okay? You know what? You want to stop being tired? <laughs> Here's a decision to make. Stop killing yourself. If you know you got to work 12 hours a day, it's incumbent upon you to make a decision to be healthier. Amen? Amen. Don't get mad at the boss because you work 12. You know what? You've been working 12 hours a day for five years. Why are you complaining now? <laughs> Obviously, that's the schedule, even though my job description don't say that. But and you are genuinely exhausted. We're not, we're not saying you're not exhausted. So what do you do? I make a decision to get healthier so I can do this while I look for another job, right? If you're mad at this job, don't quit this job until you have another job. Because they really don't care if you're mad at them or not, <laughs> as long as you show up and do your job. Now, now think about that. Uh, my family needs this income I'm tired of going to work, so I just quit. Now, brothers, no sympathy for me if you do this, okay? Because you're responsible. We have to stop being children and be men. If you're responsible for the upkeep and, and the income of your house, go to work, man. I've seen a lot of people go to work when they're sick. Let them send you home. If you're sick enough, believe me, they'll send you home. But you get paid. <laughs> you got to get them go, man. I mean, there's no excuse. When you roll, and you roll over and you look into your wife's eye, that's enough motivation right there. I got to get them go. 
When the little children run around making all kind of noise, guess what? I got to get up and go. My decision is for the better of my family. I got to get up and go. And then you're going to say, you know what? I shouldn't have eaten that, 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 that uh, bean burrito. <laughs> and you make a decision. See, you didn't go to work because you made a decision to eat some gas station sushi. <laughs> and the result was what? I don't feel like going to work. Well, hey, man, you, sorry. You got to go. Our decisions have to be based on the betterment of others around us. First, Philippians chapter 2. Did we get there yet? Philippians chapter 2, let's start at verse 3. It says, let nothing be done through what? Strife or vainglory. No decision should be made by what? Through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This is, this is how you posture your decisions. What's best for the others? Think about that. What's best for the others? It said, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Wouldn't that be wonderful if your, all of your decisions were based on this scripture? And God will bless you because of it. Your decisions will be fruitful. All kind of things good to happen to you if your decisions are based in this principle. What about the church? What happens if everybody in the church unemployed? <laughs> You're on the border of that right now. <laughs> What's the date? The 17th? Isn't that right, Brother Juan? 16th? <laughs> but you didn't think about that when you quit your job. You know that vow, I want to... I want to do this so I can give to the Lord and make sure the Lord's house is taken care of. But man, I, I don't feel like going to work today. See, we didn't get there yet. We were just kind of dealing with you all at your house. But the house of God needs help. And you decided to cut off some help because you didn't feel like going to work. That's how God, you know, God's going, you know, and, and when they were building the sanctuary, and when, actually when they were, uh, even, even with the temple, there were always these things given so to make sure they had enough oil in the lamp. See these lights? I, the light, gas, and water people, I promise you, they're not Christian. <laughs> it's all about the money. You come in here and there's no lights on. Oh, well. God asked a question. How do you dwell in your sealed houses and my house lay waste? See, that's what, that's what I, we really want to let you think about that just for a little while. Because if these doors close, who is God holding responsible? Those who said, I will. God said, great, you will. Let me bless you and give you more. Let me bless you and give you another opportunity. Because you promised you'll make sure there's oil in the lamps in the sanctuary. You promised that when I do something for you, and you said, Lord, let me, I'm just going to give a thank offering. You know, because that was, Lord, you just, and, and when I had the flu and I got well using what you told me to get to use, Sister Wanda, you, go, you said, Man, that was, Lord, thank you. You didn't have to let me know that. 
You see how things really flow when you believe. But we were around here. I ain't got nothing. Maybe you like not have nothing. Maybe that's what you do. But the oil needs, the lamp needs oil. And God told us, and we've shared this with you, when the people prosper, the church prospers. So the opposite is true, too. But don't make a decision to kill the church. So you didn't know Satan was behind that, did you? I was reading last night a, a quote saying, let us pay close attention to those Sabbath keepers. Let's keep the money out of their ranks because they're going to tell everybody that the law of God is real. This was a meeting of Satan had a little while ago. So he don't care how he does it. He just walks up to you and says, you know what? Leave that job. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about them, them offerings no more. Just don't worry about that. You got to do what you got to do you. Do you, boo-boo. <laughs> and then what happens? You do you. And you do yourself right out of a blessing. And that's what you got. At the end of the day, is a do with another do. That's all you got. So what God wants from us is to learn to make decisions based on the betterment of other people and for his work as well. Amen? Amen. Turn to Esther. Esther did this. Esther put her life on the line because she thought about others more than she thought about herself. She wanted Israel to be saved. And so she put it all on the line. Let's go to Esther chapter 4. <laughs> I bet y'all say, man, coming here every Sabbath is a trip. Isn't that right, Sierra? When you tune in, see, Sierra tunes in, you know. She watches the, the broadcast. Oh, she's like, man, this is, I'm glad I'm sitting in my dorm room. <laughs> I bet it's hot in there. <laughs> now, let's go to, we would to Esther chapter 4. Let's start at verse 13. You, you, we understand what was happening. Uh, uh, Mordecai decided to stand for the truth, and Haman decided he needed to bow down to him. And being, you know, long story short, all the Jews were uh, about to be slaughtered. So the word got back to Esther, and we're in Exodus, Esther chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? He was saying, look, Esther, you got to do something here because it, it, things are getting rough. Now, God can deliver from somewhere else, but he might have put you here just for this reason. And so she had to make a decision. Is my decision going to be motivated by me being queen and I can just chill up here in the king's palace and watch my brothers and sisters die? Or should I do something else? And this is what she did. Verse 15, then Esther bade and then return. I'm sorry, Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. And do what? Go through the process that God has prescribed for deliverance. And fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go unto the king. Now see, it was against the law to go unto the king. 
But she said, my decision is based on the betterment of my brothers and sisters. I'm making an unselfish decision because she says, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Oh, if we would make decisions like that. Are we, are we ready to want to do that? Estimated decisions. She said, man, I, I'm in a position to do good to many people. I'm making that decision. How about us? Anybody here can do good for many people? Anybody here can do good for God's work? Are we just going to perish with our riches? Are we going to perish with our selfishness? If we follow the process, all can be blessed. Remember the process we found in Proverbs 3 and in Philippians 4? If we follow these processes and make decisions, then these decisions that we make, they will have a ripple effect, but they'll have a positive ripple effect. And one thing we have to do is this. God has given us the ability to receive counsel from him. Amen? Amen. Now, when he gives us counsel, what should we do? Because, you know, you, you, let's say you graduated from being a, 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 a spontaneous decision maker to one who seeks counsel before they make a decision. Let's say you're that. We got that point. And he said... Understand the importance of counsel. What does Proverbs tell us? Proverbs chapter 11. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 11. What does God talk about counsel? See, before your decisions are made, if you are a rookie decision maker, you need to seek counsel. And rookie doesn't mean that you're 12. You could be 62 and be a rookie decision maker. But he said in Proverbs 11:14, he said, where no counsel is, what happens? The people fall. You make dumb decisions and the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's what? First of all, seek some counsel. Oh, we've made some dumb decisions, haven't we? We made some dumb decisions, and then we, we, after we make them, uh, we come and ask for some counsel. And then when you get counsel, you say, well, I don't really like that counsel because that's not really what I want to do. So I'm going to find me somebody dumb as I am so they agree with my decision. We've never done that, have we? Sometimes your decision is so bad, it takes you a long time to find somebody to agree with it. And when you got to go five or six deep, you may want to check yourself. <laughs> like, man, that must have really been a bad idea because Clarence the Clown is the only one that agrees with me. Stop seeking for counsel that agrees with you. Seek for counsel of a godly nature. If you made the right decision, guess what? That counsel will agree, won't it? 24 Proverbs, verse 6, it says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and the multitudes of counsel are there safety. Wise counsel is what we're looking for. If you find wise counsel, what makes that counsel wise? Who determines wisdom? The author of wisdom, Jesus. So somebody gives you some Jesus counsel and you refuse it. You say, I'd rather live with the devil than, than, than make a change with Jesus. Isn't that a hard thing to say to Jesus, the one who saved you? I'd rather live with your enemy. I'd rather go by the, what the enemy tells me to do than listen to you. 
because it's not what I'm ready to do right now. Get out of your feelings, people. Satan is the master of feelings. Amen? Please stop getting your advice from unbelievers. Go to Psalms chapter 1. Unbelievers. But they're good people. I met a Buddhist person and they told me, okay, go on. Can't really get a lot of good counsel, wise counsel from somebody who doesn't believe in my Redeemer. Are we all right with that? Okay, this is personal. I can't. Maybe you can. Maybe you can find that little needle in the haystack of Buddhism that, that has similarities to true Christianity, and you hang out over there. Go ahead, hang out over there. You'll be a Buddhist before you know it. And then what? My decisions will be motivated by Buddhism. And then you'll have Jesus all by himself. And he weeps for us when we do that. He said, you keep looking for counsel to agree with you and you, you slide and you try to get by what I'm trying to tell you, but you're going to run into Satan and Satan doesn't care about you. God puts people in your path. God puts ministers and pastors and those people who say the Lord says this and you say, yeah, but that's not what I'm feeling right now. So you go to the enemy to receive wise counsel. Psalm 1, beginning at 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Can we get that? Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So when we meditate day and night in, our, in the law of God, we make what? Wise decisions. Will be even, God will send his wise messengers to you. He'll, he'll send the, the wise women that, that have given their heart to the Lord and say, well, because you know what, a wise woman, when you ask a wise woman some counsel, you know the first thing she does. Father, help me. What do you want me to say? When you come to a wise man, what's the first thing he's going to do? Father, what's the answer? See, the wise women and the wise men, we got a whole file cabinet of right answers for you. But you think we're going to reach back there without him? You pull out the wrong file. It might be a right answer, but not for this situation. That's how you know wisdom. That's when you know somebody's relying on something more than human nature and human understanding. Oh, but when you walk into that and you refuse that, you go further down that rabbit hole until sometimes you won't be able to crawl out because the counsel of the ungodly has convinced you that being in that hole is better than being with God. Before you make a move, please consider the consequences. Before you make a decision. How many of us have made decisions that we're still paying for right now? And if you really be honest with yourself, did you receive wise counsel? Or did you receive... Uh, or did you look for somebody to agree with you before you made that decision? Some of us didn't have, well, we didn't think we had access to wise counsel. But we didn't pray. 
because we'd already made up our mind what we wanted to do. And we started looking for somebody to put their stamp of approval on it. And the higher the person in your mind that put your approval on it, hey, the more confident you were in. You were. He said, well, well, my father said it was okay. Well, your father's an alcoholic. I mean, I, I know, I, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm just talking about this as in general, okay? Or my, my, my uncle, you know, he said that was a good move. Your mom, uncle rolls dice. Well, I saw in this magazine that if you treat your man this way, he magazine is signature Lucifer. Some people get their religion from game show talk host. I heard that guy say that that was, that was true. I'm going to base my whole life on what a game show talk host tells me. You know, I was, you know, I was sitting, I was sitting on the couch, asking the Lord to reveal something to me. And there was a commercial came on. Y'all don't think this happens? I pray it's not happening to y'all right now, but it might. The ungodly, those who don't practice what God told them to practice, back off a little bit. And if your decisions kind of resonate with them, check your decisions. Let them be what they are. But check it. Say, Lord, I got, I'm sorry. I was driving through Taco Bell, and it was a piece of paper on the ground that said, yes. <laughs> and I knew it had to be been the Lord. Now, I hadn't opened my Bible for two weeks, but that piece of paper in the parking lot said yes, and Lord, you know what I was needing to answer for. <laughs> sounds, a little, sounds a little strange, doesn't it? <laughs> Happens every day. God's given you a book. God's given you his spirit. You want to know the counsel of the godly? This is where you go. Amen? Amen. So our decisions don't affect just us. They have a ripple effect, right? They have a cumulative effect. There's some people right now in bad marriages. Why? Bad decisions. Bad decisions. Oh, one, one of them, bad decisions. Some people, and I never say a child is a bad decision because God birthed that child into this world. So we got to take care of that child, don't we? We got to make sure that child grows up to be a godly child. That child, it's not his fault. Or her fault. So we embrace those children. Amen. But oh, if you're not pregnant and you're not married, what should you do? Wise counsel. Right? Don't go to the, the, the barbershop. Man, what should I do, man? You know, this girl, she, she, she fine. What's, what you hear at the barbershop? Anybody been in the barbershop? If you want to be entertained, ungodly-like, go to the barbershop. Because they talk about God all the time. <laughs> I, never been, I never spent a lot of time in a beauty shop. I stopped by, talked to my wife for a minute. But I can imagine the same stuff happening. My hairdresser told me to leave him. <laughs> She's been divorced four times. But what do we do? 
ungodly counsel because that's what we wanted to, I really wanted to leave him. And I, my, my hairdresser, you know, she knows for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know the backside of that cosmetology license said, you know, wise counsel. <laughs> but you need, we as a people need to start considering the consequences of the things that we do and start today doing that. We can't, we can't make up for what we have done already, but we can start making decisions now through the prayer and supplication, through the process that God has given us, through the counsel of wise people and the wise God then we'll stop having these things because there are some things that we will suffer from the rest of our lives. Period. I suffer from things I will always suffer from. Some things in my life because of decisions I made. You know, I'm just going to play through it, Jay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm playing through it right now. 30 years ago, I played through that. Turned my ankle, this, it was pointing this way. Yeah, I'm playing through that. I'm playing through it right now. Now, and what happens when, when, when we haven't followed the counsel of God and, and we have uh, uh, outside children? You got, you got guarantees some drama. Amen? But you can do what? You can stop making those decisions now and you can train your children not to make those same decisions. Amen? Amen. And what about the children we have? The wonderful children we have. Do you know God says that if you don't, one scripture says if you beat him, you will what, save his soul from hell. You will deliver his soul from hell, or her soul from hell, because I'm sure little girls are bad, just like little boys. So if your decision is, I don't want to do that, then what are you doing? What did the wise counsel say? Matter of fact, he even compared you with the father. He said, the father chastises the son he loves. If not, you'd be a bastard. Amen. Is that what the book says? Amen. So when we say, no, I'm going to treat my child like a bastard. You say, well, I'm not going to do what God says, but because I love the child. If you love the child, what will you do? You correct, not, we're not talking about, you know, beating them. <laughs> we're talking about correcting as God has instructed us. We're not talking about child abuse. We're not talking about any of that foolishness, are we? If a child is disobedient, when do you wait or do you wait to check it? This is a decision you have to make as parents. When do you correct the disobedience? Because everybody that's involved is there. Why you got to wait and make somebody remember what you're doing? Now, three weeks ago, you did, I don't even remember three Mama, what, really? Save their soul from hell. Deliver them from hell. What does that mean? If you don't, your children are going where? But I love them so. Well, you love them in hell. Love is defined by the Father. The Father says, correct the children. You don't love them. You hate them. And we know what the reward for the children of disobedience is. On earth, that's all right, on Sundays from 1 to 6, you'll find out where children of disobedience are. You go down and put some on the books. You go visit them 
and they stand behind this, this. I've been there down there before talking to people who are children of disobedience. I'll be on the phone, take some baby wipes to clean the phone off. I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going down to visit people in jail and say, how's it going, bro? Man, I wish my mama would have done this for me. I wish somebody would have told me. But the decision was made not to discipline the child. Then what happened? The system got him. The decision was made not having Jesus in the house. So what happened? The devil moved in. We see what decisions do? There's a ripple effect. Please understand this is so serious. That's why God wants to teach us this. Your decisions must be motivated outside of yourself. Amen. 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 We okay with this? Amen. No, I, I should not never ask that question. I should never ask that question. Do you understand what we're talking about? Yes. <laughs> Whether you're okay with it is not my business. Amen. But just imagine, we've been talking about the consequences of decisions. Consequences can be great blessings when we follow the right process. Oh, what a blessing it is. Oh, when you have to correct the child when he's six months old. I know, oh, that's cruel. No, it's not. You don't get a stick and hit the child, but you correct that child. Oh, Brother Juan, when they get to be 20, and you never had to go visit them nowhere. And they're not strung out on this. And, they, and, and, and you could just say, Lord, thank you for your way. Because when you do it his way, you invite his spirit. And his spirit kind of takes over me. Isn't that a blessing? See, that's why when God does it, if you let him do it, man, it's going to be beautiful. If not, then okay. Be lazy. Be slowful. And then see what happens. I guarantee you this, your child will run into the truth one day, and you know the first visit he gonna make? Your house. You mean you knew this, and you didn't do it? And I'm out here with all the scars from the battlefield, and all you had to do was what God said do? How do you think that conversation is gonna be? What excuse you gonna give then? Ooh, I was tired. Ooh, I didn't feel like it. Ooh, but you know, you got on my nerves, you rewind all it. So what do we learn today? <laughs> oh, I ain't going to say nothing, because uh, I don't know, I just don't want to move. <laughs> Our decisions affect other people. We don't live in a vacuum. What's the old adage? Uh, no man is an island entire of himself. You are a piece of the continent. You are a piece of some community. You are a part of a relationship, and your decisions affect others. Don't make selfish decisions. Seek the Lord before you make a decision. Seek wise counsel before you make a decision. In counselors, with many counselors, wise counselors, there's safety. Let your motivation be others. Let your motivation be love when you make decisions. Control your feelings. Don't let your feelings run your life. Because feelings will make you make decisions that will haunt you the rest of your life. Your feelings, let them be rooted and grounded in God. We all right? Any questions? Because before we leave this place, 
God wrote this in the book. You all heard this. What happens if the godly counsel is not what you want to hear? What should you do? Come on, y'all experts at this. What, what should you do? I'm going to pray to find me some other counsel. No. You say, Lord, let me receive your spirit. Matter of fact, do this. Before you leave your house, pray and say, Lord, lead me to your counsel. And it's not the piece of paper, the Taco Bell. Somebody says, thus saith the Lord. Well, I don't know. That's, I know I, my understanding is different. See, I'm getting to the age now, Isaiah, if you say your understanding is different, fine. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to say, I'm going to pray real hard for you. And I'm going to ask the Savior what to say to you. But I'm not going to get in a whole long conversation about it. I've been doing this 30 years. And I, I know reality. I see it in your face. You know, yeah, I want to follow the Lord. What we talked about this morning. Revival before Reformation. Let the Spirit of God come into your heart. Let him change you a little bit. And you're going to be fine. And as a church, we're going to be fine, aren't we? We're going to be fine as a church. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you for taking the time to tune us in today. We pray that you've been blessed by the Word. If you would like more of these sermons, please check us out on our YouTube page, Download our podcast and like and share us on Facebook and Twitter. May God bless you today and forevermore.